Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are John chapter 1, if we're there, um, just join me. And um, we're going to be sharing a message today in which as we are celebrating in the I Am 10 series, we're breaking down a message um, from each year. I, I believe this is like 2013 now. And I felt like this was fitting. And this was fitting for today and in, the, and, and in this lifestyle that God is calling us. Notice the words I'm using. I don't want to use the word um, um, season. Uh, the lifestyle that God is calling us to. Amen. And um, I think it's good because here's the title of my message. And maybe right off the bat, a light bulb might go off. Uh, the title of the message is, is, is this. What do you seek? What do you seek? What do you seek? You know, this might be a good moment to look at that person next to you that you came with and just say, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Some of you guys are like, my Bible. He told me to take out my Bible. I could have sworn I had my Bible there. All right. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? You've ever looked for something in life and when you found it, it wasn't the thing that you really, yeah, what you really needed? You know, you found that you haven't like, dang, I looked my whole life for this thing. I thought this was going to finally supply. I thought this was going to finally fulfill. I thought this was going to finally fill me. I thought this was finally going to make it all work. And then you recognize that that thing that you're looking for, it just fell empty on you. And you're like, oh, that didn't work. Ever been there? I've been there. What do you seek? What are you looking for? Let's go, let's go ahead and let's read the word of God and, and let's see what God um, um, wants to tell us today. John chapter 1, we're going to start off on verse 35. If you could uh, just pay attention there with me and read along with me here. I'll read from the NKJV today. And it says this. It says, again, the next day John stood with two of his disciples. This is John being uh, John the Baptist. Okay. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. That's pretty important there. You know, I, I wish this could have been written a little bit differently. Verse 37 should have said something like this. The two disciples heard him say what he said, and then they just walked out on him. <laughs> they, just left, they just left to be with Jesus. So they followed Jesus. Verse 38, when Jesus turned, you know, you know what that's like when you're walking and you feel like someone's just looking at you or someone's just following you. And you're like, man, that person's really been staring at me for a long time. You're so good looking. That's why. <laughs> what do you think? Or, man, that person has really been walking behind me for a long time. You know, eventually they're going to ask for your number. Or you kick them. You kick them hard. Somewhere where it hurts. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Good aiming. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following him, right, he said to them. Yeah, say it. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? You know, that, come on, Hialeans, a bunch of Miamians, Floridians, Cubanos, Puerto Ricanos, Dominicanos, Americans. All you guys would have been walking, and you wouldn't have said, what do you seek? You would have been like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Some of you tough guys would have said something a little bit different, but 
But Jesus turns around and says, what do you seek? What are you looking for? And they said to him, teacher, rabbi, where are you staying? <laughs> uh, Jesus, what I'm looking for is where, where are you going? Where are you at? Where are you stationed? Where are you established? I want to be in the places where you're at. Where are you going? Where do you stay? Where do you sleep? Where do you put your head? What do you eat for breakfast? What do you eat for lunch? What do you eat for dinner? Do you tell the disciples bedtime stories? What is it that you wear in the morning? Do you change in the afternoon? What is it? How do you, how do, you do things? Where are you staying? What do you seek? I seek to go where you're going and see everything that you're going to show me. That's what it's saying there. I know it doesn't say like that, but he said to them, come and see. Man, how many of us can praise the Lord that he doesn't turn his back on any of us, but his command to us saying, Lord, show me, he says, then come and see. That God looked at my life one day at a desperate moment of my life when I knew, man, nothing is going to go well. This is going to end up bad in my life if Christ doesn't change me. Lord, what's up? Where are you? Where do I go? He says, come and see. And that's what he tells these, these two disciples. He says, come and see. Come and see. And it says, they came, I underline this, and saw, I underline that, so underline it, where he was staying. And then they what? They stayed. They remained. Guys, listen to these three things. Write this down in your notes. Ready? He said, come and see. Number one, they what? They, you're not following with me. All right. They came. Number two, not only did they come, they what? They saw. Not only did they see, but they what? They stayed. They remained with him that day. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was first found in his own brother Simon. He said to him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. And you shall be called Cephas, which is a stone. And, and, and here's this whole encounter when Jesus grabs Peter and most likely this other disciple who John is talking about. But yet he never names in his gospel is himself. It's, oh, this is so awesome. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed and, 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 and he starts to show us one of the two who heard him was Andrew. And, and who's the other one? It's me. It's obviously John, the one that's writing it. But, but when you look at this question that Jesus asks them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? I truly believe that that question, that question, I believe our, our lives are founded on that question if you, if you think about that. Your, your life is founded on that. And depending how you answer that question, it determines the path you take in life. It does. What do you seek? It determines the person you marry. It, it determines the job you take, what you study. It determines a lot of things in what you do and how you do it. Even the church you come to. Everything is determined in that one question. What do you seek? Because how you answer that is going to say, well, this is the path that I'm going. I seek this, so I take this path until I reach that. Right? So, so, so a lot of that is dependent on how you answer that. And I believe every aspect of our being is rooted in that question. Your friends, who you date, who you eventually marry, the career, your path, the path you take, all of that. What do you seek? And the Lord turns around as he asks them that. And they said, well, we want to know about you. We want to know where you're staying. Let me tell you why these two disciples did this. 
for most of their time with John the Baptist, they're out in the wilderness. I mean, it could have been many reasons. First off, John is known as a man who's eating locust. Okay? I'm thinking these disciples, one thing, they probably didn't want to eat grasshoppers anymore. <laughs> like, where are you at? Do you, please tell me where you're staying. There's better food. Because I'm, I'm in the wilderness with John now for a few years, and he's popular, and a lot of people are coming to him, and God is doing amazing things. We're baptizing people. But for so long, he's been telling us about this Messiah. He's coming. He's coming. And, and, and his sandals, I'm not even worthy of unloosening. And, and I don't know. You know, he kept on talking about him. And we're believing in this Messiah as Jewish men. And then one day, you come walking, and he looks at you, and he says, Behold, here he is, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. So what did we do? We left John. And we're with you. Number one, you got better food than locust. I'm tired of eating honey. And grasshoppers. But I don't think that's exactly what it was. They knew, they heard the stories, they heard the preachings of John the Baptist. So when Jesus walks into the scene and he says, here he is, the Messiah, they knew they had to do something in their lives. And that is, do I watch him walk away from me? Or do I embrace this moment and allow it to change my life forever? I'm going to choose that. I'm chasing him. Where are you going? Come on, God chasers. I wonder how many of you chased the Lord today in worship. Like really chased him. Or you just saw him walk by like, to worship you. He goes, I live. And he's gone. To worship you, I live. But how many of you embraced him? Where are you going? I'm going where you're going. So, so Jesus looks at him. I got to get going. He says, come and you will see. Come with me and, and you will see. You'll see everything, and not just where I'm staying. I know what that question, and I know where you're coming from. Come and see. I love that phrase, come and see, because there was one time a Samaritan woman, and a Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well, and as he meets Jesus at the well, her mind is flipped upside down, inside out, and she's just mind-boggled because here is this man that knows everything about her life. He really did at one point. Jesus is like, go get your husband. And she's like, well, you know, there's a problem. I don't really have a husband. He's like, right, neither were the. And he's like, you've had like five or six men you've been with, and none of them are really your husband. Like, I know about your life. You can't hide it from me. And she's like, well, how does he know all these secrets about me? And he starts to reveal to her that he is the Messiah. And her life is, have you ever had an encounter, an embracing moment with Jesus where your life has completely been transformed from one moment to another and the next thing you got to do is I got to tell someone what just happened to me. I got to tell someone what I came to and what I saw because I need them to come and I need them to see what I've seen. Hmm. So guess what this woman does, the Samaritan woman? Well, it says this in John 4, 29. She runs back to her village and she says, come see that there's a man who's told me everything that I've ever done. Can this be the one we've been waiting for? Can this be the Christ? Come and see. Come on. In Psalm chapter 34 verse 8, the psalmist says this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Come and see. Taste and see. So let's go back to John chapter 1. Here's Jesus. And, and, and Peter and, and Andrew are mixed up in this situation here eventually. And, and so is John. John. And here's two young men who were disciples of John the Baptist. Jewish men preparing for the Messiah. 
The reason why John the Baptist was even doing ministry and baptizing people was for that moment right there when Jesus was going to walk in. And they asked, can we go where you're going? John the Baptist was at the same place that even these two men were. I'm going to read a passage to you. And it's found in Matthew 11, <clears throat> verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. John the Baptist starts to hear about this Jesus. And look what it says. Now when John heard in prison, he's in prison because they arrested him now. This is right at the point where he's about to die and they behead John the Baptist. In verse 2 it says, when he heard in prison about the works of Jesus, the deeds of Jesus, he sent word by some of his followers, by some of his disciples. Look what he says. And he said to them, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go, look what, he tell, look what Jesus says to his disciples. Go tell John who's in prison, he's asking about me, what you hear and see. What do they hear and see? Ready? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Go tell John the Baptist that it's I. It is me. See, here's here are moments, you know, when John says, behold the Lamb of God. Here are, here are men, right, that leave this, this John the Baptist. John the Baptist in Scripture is a fearless, he's a faithful, he's bold, and yes, he's eating locusts, and, and, and he has camel hair clothed around him, but he's this amazing leader who's getting people ready to follow the Messiah that is to come, Jesus. And that's who John the Baptist and his disciples were seeking the whole time. So when John the Baptist is in prison now, he says, I just want to make sure that if these followers of mine that I've spent so much time on and this ministry that I spent so much time in and this prison cell that I'm actually going to die in now because I was preaching him, I just want to make sure if it was all worth it and I want to know if that's really the Messiah. Go find out if it's him. And they come back with an amazing report. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are alive again. People, there's revival happening. John's like, cut my head off. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready. Take me in. He's here. You know how I know he said that? And it's not written in the Bible? Because when they came to him, they said, hey, there's a problem. Everyone's left you. And they've gone to be with Jesus. He says, good. That's exactly how it is. I must decrease so that he now could increase. He's got the stage. I just said it. Is it him? It's him. Cut my head off. I'm ready. My ministry's done. My ministry's over. In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, just to give you some verses, because maybe you need more than just one or two, or maybe you need a few. It says, seek the Lord. Everyone say, seek the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. And his strength. Seek his face continually. Hmm. Hmm. In 1 Chronicles 22, 19, it says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Come on, convince your heart and your soul already to seek the Lord your God. And it's almost like he's saying, enough is enough. <laughs> the psalmist says in chapter 14, verse 2, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who will seek after their God. 
Come on, is that you? The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. Is that you? All right, I'll keep preaching. You're not convinced yet. Man, there's, a, there's this call to, to, to seek. What are you looking for? What do you seek? There, 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 there is this a beautiful thing, you know. There's, there's this call to seek him, and there's a promise. There's even a promise. I said earlier, I felt like the Holy Spirit just led me to say this in our 930 prayer session. I said, his promises are yes and amen. How many of you were here for that? His promises were yes and amen. His promises were yes and amen. I said, Sophie, come up here. How old is Sophie now? Nine years old? Sophie, nine years old, comes up here, grabs the mic, and she says, last night at 3.45 in the morning. <laughs> she said this, nine years old. Three, at, at, at 3.45 in the morning, last night, my knees hurt. If you know Sophie, I mean, she is our miracle child here. She's the first baby of our church, and she's got that condition in her leg, and her knee's hurting, and it's that same leg. I believe it was the same leg she told me. And she says, my knee was hurting at 3.45, so I had to watch some videos to calm me down, to calm my spirit down. I guess what she's saying. And then I started to sing. Where's mom? I started to sing what song? Flood the earth. And there was a part in flood the earth that says what? Freedom is here. Fear has to leave. Pain has to go. Pain has to go. She started to sing that at 3.45 in the morning. And at 4 in the morning, she said, wow, my knee's healed. I'm going back to bed. And then she said to me in the office, and then I woke up again at 7 to get ready to come to church. And I'm getting text messages of people that are telling me that their left pinky finger hurts them. And they can't come to church. And there's a girl who has this problem in her knee. And at 4 in the morning, she said, God healed me. He restored me. And I went back to sleep. And at 7 in the morning, I got back up again to serve the Lord at his house. Get your pinky in order and pray over it and get into the presence of God. Come on. Tired of that. Tired of that. Tired of that. Ooh, I got this problem. Get over here if you have a problem and come to the altar. All right. I'm not trying to be mean to you guys. I love you all. But that blessed me when a nine-year-old said that. You know what I mean? When a nine-year-old says that, it does something to you. I got to take you to a 40-year-old's house real quick. Sophie, you want to go on a field trip? <laughs> Some of you know who you are. Like, shame on me. He's rebuking me. <laughs> I still love you. I really do. There's promises to those who seek him. You nine-year-old crazy young lady for Jesus. I'm going to sing a song of worship telling my pain has to go. And I won't stop singing it until it's gone. Oh, it's gone. I'm going to bed. Lord, I ain't giving an excuse. I'll be up in three more hours to get to church. She's got a deeper revelation than most people do. Oh, man. I might finish this message today. But in Proverbs chapter 8, 17... There's an awesome passage in Proverbs 8, 17, and he says, I love those who love me. You know, have you ever walked around and said, I just love when people hate me? <laughs> no, you don't. You know, it's really hard for you. You know, the Bible tells you to love your enemies, but you struggle a lot to love your enemies. <laughs> Jesus and the Lord hear his heart. I love those who love me, and those who, those who diligently seek me will 
will find You know what, 345 in the morning, you sought me, you're going to find me. You know, in the book of James, James even tells us, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. So Jesus, now is when I feel it. <laughs> you guys took a while for the word to settle there. But, but Jesus looks at them now. And he says, what are you looking for? You wrote that down on your notes today, right? What do you seek? So, so I almost feel like some 2,000 plus years later, the presence of the Lord just sat over us today. He's looking at you right in the eyes and says, how about you, huh? What do you seek? What are you chasing? What are you chasing, huh? What are you after? So they came. <laughs> Come and see. Cool, we're going. So they came. I can't tell you how many times I came to church. And it was all for the wrong reasons. I got, but when, when the Lord changed my life, I went to a retreat. And, and um, it was all for, my wife's here, so I'm going to respect her. But it was for all the wrong reasons. I went to the retreat for all. I was a young man. And um, I said, this is going to be fun. But man, did God have a different plan for me. He made me look like a fool in front of whoever I thought I was going to look cool in front of. And I had boogers dripping and eyes and watering and I was on the floor. I couldn't even get up for two hours. I was literally just gone in the presence of God. And, and, um, but for many years I went to church. My mom went. My sister went. I went. The worship began. It was too long for my taste. And just like today it might have been too long for some of your taste. And the preacher was a little bit too, more, too passionate for me, believe it or not. Kind of, he, was a, he was a passionate Honduran. What our old pastor used to be, Luis, passionate, passionate Honduran. You should have seen that Honduran go, man. And in Spanish, cuando Jesucristo, oh man, it was powerful. <laughs> but I was going to church. I remember sometimes my mom would hit me and say, you need to, you've heard this story, whatever. You need to clap, okay, I don't want to clap, you're forcing me to clap. And, but I would walk out every day out of church with no evidence of change in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. No change, just the same person. I was part of a Christian family. Trust me, my mom instilled the fear of God in me. I don't know if it was good, but I guess it was. I'm here today, but she, she did. Well, if you're not going to fear him, I'm going to <laughs> And outwardly, I was, I was just, I was one of them, right? I would go to church, and, but inwardly, my heart was polluted. I'm wondering if there's anyone in here who um, knows what I'm talking about outwardly, but inwardly, you definitely know what I'm talking about. When I say your heart is polluted, your heart is, your heart is dark, your soul is just, ah. Uh, you know, everything is just, you're just infected. Everything's dark and lost. But, but there was something beautiful about the love of God. And it was, though I was not being transformed, I still came. He still had me go. Just like some of you are still coming. Just keep coming. That's the greatest thing. Keep coming. Get, get into the presence of God. You know, it's just like your friends. You start hanging around with a lot of drunkards, you're going to start drinking. Get around a couple crazy people like this, you're going to get crazy just like them. Yeah, I'm not lying. Ask every single drug addict and every single alcoholic, how did it start? It started with my friends. I was hanging around with the wrong crowd. So you just chose to drink, they, they drank? Yeah, I mean, they were doing it every day, so I just had, I started with one. So come on Sunday and just start with one. <laughs> I mean, my dad gives you water when you walk in, for goodness sakes. He doesn't spike it or nothing like that. <laughs> But you know very well what I'm talking about. When that presence of God goes now, 
Drink from that presence, drink from that well, drink from that fountain and let it just capture your heart, your mind and your soul and you get out of this place and when it's service again because I need to go back and drink with those crazy people. I'm glad you asked. It's on Wednesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 7 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. and revival on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Amen? (laughs) Seriously. You know, my attitude was all wrong, but, I, you know, I still came. I, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 15, um, verses 7, 8, and 9, when it says, hypocrites, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus speaking. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying that these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me. In to worship you I live, to worship you I live, I live, to worship you. And the Lord is on his throne saying, Really? You're really going to sing that song this morning? <laughs> You're really going to fool me this morning to worship you while live. And the Lord is like, yeah. oh, man, you hypocrites, he tells them. You honor me with your lips and your heart is so far from me. In vain they worship me. And they even teach the doctrines and the commandments of men. They teach man-made ideas as these commands that they come from God. But I love what James, his half-brother, says in chapter 4. I'm giving you a lot of verses. Forgive me, but it's good. In James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I love, I love, I love, I love what he says. He says, therefore, 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 you submit to God. And I say it again, I say it again. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What's the difference between the ones that sing it, but their hearts are far from God? Their voice is being heard, but their hearts, their soul is not at a place of submission. So James comes to a later point and says, okay, let me explain to you the Isaiah prophecy. When he says that there's many people that come and they sing songs and they worship me and they're hypocrites and all that, let me explain to you why that is. It's because they've come to a place of presence and of worship, but yet they're not in a place of total surrender yet. They're singing songs, they're hearing preaches, and they even go outside of church and they begin to teach others the things that they've heard and they confuse man-made ideas as commandments of God. But in reality, all of that is solved with one easy thing. Ready? Submit yourself to God surrender yourself fully to God completely empty yourself to God draw near to him and then he will draw near to you so that way when you say to worship you I live he looks at it and says now that is an aroma and a smell that I love that's a sacrifice and an offering on an altar that is pleasing before my presence come on baby come on keep singing it because you submitted. You know, how can I be intimate with a spouse that cheats on me? Did I go too far? Because I got real quiet. But <laughs> how, how do I go and be submissive with a spouse when I know she's getting text messaged by another man? <laughs> we understand each other. But, but how, how does that work? doesn't it's going to be very fake it's going to be very painful so 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 what does God do he gets you at a place where there is no where there is no other lovers texting you where there is no other smell on you but your beloved you know I come home and I smell like another woman outside of my daughter I mean if I still smell like my mom that's weird (laughs) some of you men you know, just, 
you know, don't put on her cologne anymore. But, but, but if I come home smelling like another woman, there's going to be a curiosity conversation going on. If I smell like anyone, it should be like my beloved. Am I wrong by saying that? So, so if there's any lover in your life, it should be your beloved. Who's texting you? Not right now. Some of you guys are like, oh my God. No. I saw some of you guys look out. But seriously, who's texting you? Who'd you come into church smelling like today? But then you came and you sang to worship you, I live. And he's like, right. But you smell like someone else this morning. I don't know if you guys feel that yet. But so what do I do? Pastor, tell me what to do. This is so simple. Therefore, just submit yourself to God. What do you mean? I'm done. I'm done. Rewire me. Get me back in love. Where are you staying? Because that's what I'm looking for. John the Baptist, I'm done with him. I want to sleep where you sleep. I want to smell like you smell. I want to eat what you eat. Come and see. Come and see. Did you guys catch that illustration? Come and see. Come and see. I'm going to skip. I heard a preacher two weeks ago said this. He said many encountered Jesus after his resurrection. About 500, the Bible says. I've shared this with some of you guys. I put this up on social media. Many encountered Jesus after his resurrection. But when he called them to pray on that beautiful day of, um, of Pentecost, having in the upper room, it says only 120 showed up. He encountered 500. But only 120 showed up to the prayer meeting. The pastor that I was listening to said, only 120 showed up in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. This is all Acts chapter 2 if you want to study it. But he said something that really struck a chord. And I think it's gonna, it's gonna, this is going to develop in our fast and in our week coming into this week. And this is what he said. This encounter with Jesus with the 500 but yet only 120 showing up to the prayer meeting, it shows us nothing that, but this, that many encounter Jesus, but there's a few that truly embrace Jesus. That's totally different. I feel like that's where we're at as a church. We're moving past the encounter finally, once and for all. How many of you can say amen? And we're finally going to get to the place of embrace. You with me? So they went and they saw, they saw that he was good. They saw that he was him. They saw where he stayed. And I'm wondering, what did they see that was so amazing that they saw? I don't know. I wrote some funny things in, there, in my notes here. And, and, and here it is. I feel like these two guys, I don't think they were freeloaders. I don't think they wanted to get something necessarily from Jesus. But I think what they saw was a power and an authority that they have never seen before, not even from their, from their leader, John the Baptist. I think they saw something in Jesus and heard something in Jesus and felt something from Jesus like they never felt from John the Baptist before. And they said, this is, has to be the Messiah that John is talking about. I think they saw a love that they never saw and felt, a grace they've never felt, a presence that they've never felt. Felt. I think they received a feeling that they've never felt and received. I think they saw a place where identity in Jesus marked them and seared their life forever that they never saw. And when that thing came upon them, they said, I'm never walking away from you again. 
we're one of yours now. And they stayed there. And they stayed there. They took a chance. They, you know, they could have been wrong, but they weren't wrong. Thank God. They stayed there. They stayed there. You know what Matthew says in chapter 24, verse 5? It says, many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ. And they will deceive many. But something happened to these men that Jesus wasn't part of the many. He became the one. He became the one. He became the one. And that's powerful. Because that's all they were looking for. Paul, Paul later on in his life, he was speaking on the spiritual blindness of the Gentiles. And in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm almost ending, verse 18. So as the band comes up, and, or maybe just one person and we get ready. I want you to listen to this passage. It says, Paul says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. You see, God is calling us to come to him, to come to Christ. And we come searching. And I promise you this. What do you seek? What are you looking for? You're going to find what you seek. Because Jesus is not in this game of hiding from you. So that you could like, it could be difficult for you to find him. He's not on a tree hiding. He actually grabs people that are hiding on a tree. And he says, get down. Because today I'm going to your house. And your whole house will be saved. He's into the business of getting intimate one-on-one with you. Come on. Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. Stop hiding. I'm not going to hide from you. And you're no longer going to hide from me. We're going home today. And watch this, one, one encounter with Jesus brings a powerful embrace and now the whole household is saved. Come on, some of you have felt that. You have one encounter with Jesus, you embraced him, and now your whole family is serving Jesus. What happened to you? I came, I saw, I stayed. Can you give God some praise for that? I came, I saw, and I stayed. Church, here it is. It's not necessarily what you seek from him. But it's what you seek in him. If you don't fall in love with what's in him, you'll never appreciate what comes from him. Hmm. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. By coming you see, and you'll never be the same. Psalm says in 119.18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word. They stayed. They stayed. Jesus speaks to a lukewarm people in the end of the Bible in Revelation 3 and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will dine with him and he will dine with me. My God. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Verse 5, and those who look to him are radiant. Come on, radiant people. And their faces shall never be ashamed. I feel that. I'm ashamed because I go to church for that many hours. Are you crazy? You're lucky I didn't go longer. 
today, huh? John 1, so when, when one of the two heard John the Baptist speak, they followed him. And it was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. Verse 41 is so, so special. Because he just, he just saw the Lord and he went to where he was at and he stayed where he's at and and you know what Andrew did? He says, I can't but tell the person that I love. So who does Andrew think about? I got to tell my brother. I got to tell him what, what Jesus just did in me. I hope he follows. So the same passage. He goes to his brother and says, Pete, we found him. We found him. Can you imagine Peter? We're John the Baptist? He's, he's probably eating a grasshopper, man. Of course. He hasn't gone anywhere. No, no, no. We found him. And I'm almost sure that that wasn't even the first time that maybe one of them said we found him because many will come in my name and say I am him. But now he comes to a place like, no, no, no. You see, Pete... We found the one. We found him. The Messiah. Like the real one. <laughs> not the phony that is telling everyone to drink from a certain cup. And, and not the phony that is preaching another gospel. Let him be a curse. No. We found him. The one. The Messiah. The Christ. So it says that he brought his brother to Jesus. Guys, this is the beautiful part of this whole verse. Ready? Here it is. It's not even the evangelism. The, I promise you the evangelism is not even the most powerful part. Good for him. He evangelized his brother. But you want to know what the most beautiful part is? Now Jesus looked at the brother that was being brought to him. He didn't even need an introduction. It was almost like Andrew was like, Jesus, don't go nowhere. Come, 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 little brother. You're so annoying. Hurry up. Jesus, I need to talk. This, and as he's ready to introduce him, he says, you're Simon. Your name from now on shall be called Cephas. And Andrew's in the mix, right? Like, how the heck did you know that? <laughs> See, the beautiful part of this passage was not necessarily that he evangelized to his brother, which was good. But the beautiful part was that when Peter came to his presence, the Lord already knew him. It's almost like saying, Welcome home. I've been waiting for you. Come on. One of you just heard that. And the Lord is going to tell you today. Welcome home. I just made dinner. I was waiting for you. And your name is so and so. And now you're never going to be the same again. Thanks for coming. And now you're going to stay. That's the best part for me when I read that. The evangelism was cool, but him coming to Jesus and Jesus already knowing him, that's mind-blowing. Because before you ever came to Jesus, 
He already had every detail planned out for you. And he knows you. And there's not one thing that is hidden before him about you. So what are you, seriously, come on. What are you going to do? You're just going to stay where you're at? You might as well just come. You might as well just come and dine with him and him with you. You might as well just enter. Can I ask you guys a very personal question? You don't have to answer it because that would be awkward for all of us to answer at once. Who knows what we might hear. But where has where you're at right now, where has it really gotten you? Just answer that. Where has it gotten you? Where has it gotten you? So now Jesus is telling that. Where has it gotten you, guys? Not far, right? Not what you thought, right? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? I guess I'm at a place where I just want to see where you're at. All right, come on. Come and see. And they saw, and they stayed, and they stayed. I think that's where we're at. I think that's where a lot of us are at. I think we're just right there. I don't know, maybe we should pray for you today. Maybe we should, maybe you should take a step of boldness and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the therefore submit unto God, draw near to him and he shall draw near to me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I feel it in my heart. I'm going to draw near today. I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit. I'm going to finally do it because this lifestyle hasn't gotten me anywhere. Just like I was a pastor for 10 years and I was still stuck on religion and didn't get me anywhere. But today I'm so free because now his presence is going to get me somewhere. It's where I'm at. It's, it's, I'm, I'm fine. I'm free. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm well. I'm doing good. I breathe better. I smile better. I, I eat better. I'm just better. I'm better. And it's not because of any convention that I went to or conference that I went to or book that I read. It was all because of a place that I sat down at and it was at the feet of Jesus. It was an embrace that I no longer just encountered. I now took it in and I said, I need this until I'm finally transformed. I can't be like this anymore. It hasn't gotten me anywhere. I need to come, come at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. Many encounter, but not many embrace him. I'm not in a season of embrace. I rebuke that. Better not hear you tell someone in the neighborhood, my pastor's in a season, our church is in a season of embracing come on let's change the vocabulary we are in a lifestyle of embrace from now on oh I feel like singing a song I feel like that song is going to be so much more real now to worship you I live to worship you I live I live to worship you to worship you on who is that in this place today we're gonna sing we're gonna seek him if that's you I want you to come up here and I want to pray for you and I want to believe that you're here today welcome submit yourself finally where has it gotten you nowhere perfect welcome come come now and let me draw near to you as you draw near to me submit yourself 
So the altar's open. If you want to come up for prayer, let's pray. But if you're good and you're well and you're at his feet and you're established and you're doing great and you came, you saw, and you're staying, then I want you to freely just worship him now and pray for those that come up. Right there where you're at, just begin to intercede for them and say, Lord, bless them. I know what they're going through. I know what it is to be in a place that it didn't get me anywhere. Lord, let them see that your presence is where it... Mm. So as we worship the Lord, if you need prayer, come up. And if not, you may stand with us and we'll just sing praises to his name and really mean it this time when we say, To worship you I live, to worship you I live, I live to worship you. Oh Lord, I mean it this morning. <laughs> yeah, 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 this morning I mean it. Lord, I mean it this morning.